Welcome to the Insight Podcast. Joining me on the show today is Carl McNeilis. Carl is a psychologist and performance coach who has quickly become one of my favorite accounts on Instagram. He shares these actionable steps around a wide range of topics, including goal setting, happiness, um, exercise, stress, and loads more. Um, yeah, really looking forward to you hearing this one. I talked to Carl about the question behavior effect and how this simple tool can help us achieve um, our goals, the importance of waking rest, Carl's five steps to overcoming catastrophizing, five important facts about happiness, and much more. Enjoy the episode. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Samuel. I'm glad to be on. So you're a psychologist, a coach, and you're kind of, um, like me, I'd like to think, you're a self-proclaimed generalist. Like you, you, you like to learn a little bit about everything. I mean, I've seen your social media and I love it because it's there's a little bit about resistance training. There's a little bit about gratitude. There's other stuff about happiness, just all, all these different topics that you're researching and then kind of condensing into these little social media posts, which I really, really like. So I thought that we could just um, focus on a couple of those posts that I found particularly interesting and particularly useful. And the first one I want to ask you about is the question behavior effect. What is the question behavior effect and, and how can we use it to help us achieve our goals? So the question behavior effect, it's, it's a phenomenon observed in social psychology research that suggests that asking individuals about their intentions or future behavior can subsequently influence their actions in a subtle way, um, but in a way that may increase the likelihood that they'll follow through with the behaviors they actually want to. Um, so for example, they could ask themselves questions in the morning, like, am I going to go running after work today? Like I told myself I would. Um, or it could be the case that they're actually training really well. They're doing all their running, but after each run, they maybe skip things like stretching out and they just hit the shower and get food instead. So in that case, they might ask themselves something like, do I actually, you know, do I want to complete this marathon or do I want to risk getting injured and having to pull out? Um, and that can also, uh, that can also enhance the, the question behavior effect, but it can translate into so many other domains as well that can benefit us a lot so for example we could ask ourselves um you know the next time a difficult interaction occurs between myself and a friend or partner family member colleague etc am i going to react immediately or am i going to take the time to pause understand what they're saying and, and respond in a better way and and a better way to understand that is that it's just one wee part of a more complex relationship between attitudes intentions and our actual behavior um and i'm not i'm not exactly certain way it works but from what i've read it it seems to be that the question behavior effect results in us creating a state of cognitive dissonance um and this is the idea that we experience discomfort or tension when we hold conflicting beliefs or attitudes so by asking yourself those questions you're creating that state of discomfort and that discomfort then motivates you to resolve it um, and achieve a more kind of consistent um, state between your your beliefs and your actions. Um, 
And if you do that, you achieve a more kind of harmonious mental and emotional state. Um, so really it's asking the questions makes us feel discomfort and that discomfort motivates us to actually carry out the actions we want to. Right, right. This is something that I keep kind of looking into and finding out more about and, and f- yeah, just fascinated by the the idea that w- we grow through discomfort, don't we? Like putting stress yeah. on ourselves through discomfort, we can we can learn and grow in some way. So I, f- I find it really interesting that you could ask yourself that question and that's why it's working because I guess it like it, it can sit a bit uneasy with you and then you need to, you're kind of spurred into the action. And I didn't think about that second application that you mentioned. I understood how you might want to use it if you're trying to run more, if you want to get to the gym or maybe you want to do your cold shower or something like that in the morning. Yeah. I didn't think about that uh, the way you said about with, with your interactions because of course, like just that little moment where you ask that self a question could mean that your a conversation that you've got or a meeting or a presentation could go differently because you've you, because you asked yourself that question a, a good one with family maybe like who, yeah, who's the yeah, person that I want to be when I when I go to this family meal and I know I have to talk to some people that kind of can wind me up a bit yeah yeah absolutely and what I've found is like I think throughout life we tend to ask ourselves similar-ish questions but it's usually maybe when we've maybe messed up in some kind of big way um but even when things are good you can ask yourself that to to enhance life rather than to just maybe fix the the bigger mistakes um and what i've noticed is when you're asking yourself them kinds of questions on a regular basis you will probably notice that when you have that difficult interaction in that little split second before you would usually just react um that thought will pop up to your yeah. mind that, that, wait, I asked myself this. And it'll just, thoughts are so fleeting, but you will probably notice that it's just popped up and that gives you the opportunity then to, to pause and, and kind of stay in line with the, with the intention. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think asking yourself it regularly, the mind will then, for me at least, it spontaneously projects it up just for them wee moments. So you get that choice. Um, and, you know, maybe it's not always easy to follow through with the right action, but uh, you stand a better chance if you're asking yourself them questions regularly. And I think, I can't remember what book it was that, that I was reading, but in some book, you know, somebody full of wisdom said that it's not our beliefs really that determine uh, the outcomes we have in life. You know, they play a role, but it's the questions we ask ourselves that will have a greater effect. Um so I think I think in that sense it's quite powerful because we can we can tell ourselves that we're going to act a certain way a million times, but it doesn't create that discomfort that's going to motivate it. You know, if anything, maybe telling ourselves over and over we're going to act a certain way is giving us the impression that we're actually achieving something without doing it. You know, it makes us feel good when we're thinking it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that that's helpful too. We still do do want to do that, but I think the question is is. Uh, and possibly more helpful. Yeah. A bit like telling all your friends you're going to write a book or telling all your friends that you're going to run a marathon, you know, yeah. before you've actually done the thing, you, you you want to actually get the habits in place and become that person. Yeah. It's interesting. So is it like kind of a, a priming thing? You're, you're, you're priming your brain red, you're priming your brain ready to behave in that certain way, perhaps. I think, I think it possibly is something like that. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. if, if, I don't know too much about it, so I wouldn't want to say in, in an yeah, authoritative yeah. way. But 
you know, if you can imagine, like when you were younger, maybe when you did a thing wrong here or there, you probably had a parent or a sibling who um, pulled you up on it and questioned your behavior. And then the next time you go to do something like that, you think about what they said. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that as adults, we we don't as often at least have people pulling us up that same way. So we can kind of ask ourselves. And, and so I suppose it does actually prime you for that moment because mm. you, know, you will think back uh, and, and you will want to be a consistent person. You know, you don't want to have them conflicting beliefs and the discomfort associated with it lingering all the time. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, a great first first start on that on that one post. It, it does make me feel. It does make me think of that kind of James Clear approach, where James Clear talks about your your like systems and, and you know not thinking of that end goal, but actually thinking how are you behaving like that mm. person that you want to become. I suppose that's kind of linked, isn't it? That that is definitely linked, actually. And I was thinking about this a few days ago, so I'm surprised I didn't mention that. But I did think that. It, because it, it asks us a question about you know our identity who we want mm. to become and in that book james clear's book if i remember correctly he said that people who are more effective at implementing these habits or, or systems do think about you know the person that they're becoming and the process of implementing them um so yeah i think i think having that picture or or aim of of who you want to become in mind uh, is tied in with these questions definitely yeah that's good good stuff good stuff man next one um waking rest what's waking rest this is this is something i just stumbled upon one evening because i think oh that that wee instagram page i have it's probably in a sense a wee bit of a diary of my own thoughts about you know self-improvement and that kind of stuff and i think when i stumbled upon that paper I had come to the realization, geez, I, I might need to start scheduling in some rest, you know, because I was just constantly doing, doing, doing. Um, and I, I am an active person with a lot of energy. So, I, you know, that is my mode. But I was doing so much at one point, I started thinking, right, I need to think a bit more about rest as well. Um, and there was a book, P- Peak Performance, that I read at one time. And I, if I can remember correctly, they mentioned a few research studies that showed that when people had one full day of rest per week, they performed better physically and cognitive, cognitively as well, you know. Um, and I think the research they did was on these kind of bankers or Wall Street guys who worked seven days a week. And so when they came into this company t- to tell everybody we're doing some research and we want this group to all take one day off each week, they kind of thought, are you mad? Like we're going <laughs> to... We're going to do terribly. We're going to miss out. We're going to fall behind. But that group actually performed better. Um, but yeah, so that that was kind of what got me reading on reading reading up on rest, and then I stumbled upon this waking rest paper. And the the paper is by Lampet Al twenty nineteen. So if somebody wants to Google that, they'll find it. But the concept of waking rest, I don't think it's well known about. I think it's a kind of a new term. But they described it as a period of quiet reflective thought that's void of effortful focused thought and distracting stimuli so things like watching tv or or youtube or scrolling social media um and they suggest that having moments where we're not really focusing on anything can prompt our mind to reflect on past experiences or thoughts about the future um and if i remember correctly they suggest that creating that right environment you know getting rid of the phone the tv and that it'll prompt the mind to engage in these periods of of kind of reflective thought for about five to 20 minutes at a time and and it's just where we're not trying to think of anything the mind just wanders mm. itself you know so it's it's really different to effortful focused thinking 
Um, and yeah, I think that was that felt personally relevant to me because I, I noticed at one point, you know, I wake up in the morning, I'm going walking, listening to an audiobook, and then I go into work and I'm thinking all day. Um, and then I come back in the evening and I'm maybe reading something and then I'm watching something in the last couple hours before bed. And I realized my mind doesn't have any of its own time at the moment, you know. Uh, and then I kind of thought in the past, people would have probably had a lot of that. And I thought maybe it's quite unnatural that we're not getting any of this now because, you know, when we're bored at the moment, we can so easily bypass that by just picking up the phone. Um, and then I had a probably, you know, somewhat kind of catastrophic thought. I was thinking, well, we don't actually know what the long-term consequences of never having wake and rest anymore will be. Mm. And and what are the long-term, I have no evidence to back up that there would be any long-term effects, but it's possible that, you know, the mind, like anything else, if it's not getting its rest, could, I don't know, there could be some negative consequences for it. So, again, that's totally unfounded, but <laughs> it was just a thought I had. Yeah, but it's an interesting thought experiment, isn't it? Like, surely just just like the body, if we just go, 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 yeah. and don't, don't give ourselves a chance to rest, then eventually that catches up with us doesn't it so it would make yeah. sense that also with with our minds that would be the case and mm-hmm. yeah i've i've try i've tried to be more disciplined with this for sure like um you know in the mornings try and having some some time i mean i i, I try to meditate every morning so at least that's kind of five minutes or or, or longer where you know, there's nothing, there's just me and my thoughts. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I go for a uh, run, in fact, every time that I go for a run, I always do it without a podcast and without music. And that's one one reason I do that is because I think for that hour, you're just giving your mind a chance to wonder. And and mm-hmm. I'm hearing from lots of different people how important it is to let the mind wonder for creativity, but also it just makes sense, doesn't it? That like you yeah. need to let your brain figure things out and digest things and like go over the day and the past and, you know, let those uncomfortable, awkward moments that have happened to you come up and think, well, how yeah. am I going to deal with it? Or, or I, I find that, um, you know, in the morning when I meditate or if I just, um, or if I do something else, you know, without a distraction, that letting your subconscious work on a problem you Mm -hmm. you seem to just get that like spark of um creativity don't you or like problem solving you it's just it's figured it's out it's figured something out on its own you go oh man it's only because i let my mind wonder that that has happened so for me it seems really really important and as you said like you know i don't know exactly why i don't know the the function the mechanism of what's going on but for sure i'm hearing off yourself and lots of other people that just how important it is to just let the mind wander. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like just on that note, there's there's been times recently where I've gone out walking and just unplugged for a while and mm. just didn't really try to think of anything. But thoughts came up about things that maybe are going on in life or, or went on recently in life. And I had insights that I kind of realized, well, they were very important. They were very helpful yeah. and they were, they were, they felt true and, and, and I kind of thought, well, if I was plugged into my phone there, there's no way that thought would have been realized. I wouldn't have noticed that it wouldn't have come up. So exactly like you're saying, you know, there, there's things that probably need to come up spontaneously that, that we're not consciously aware of that, that we might be missing out on if we're constantly plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think maybe a slightly different point, but not, not quite, uh, in terms of, you know, just wake and rest, but 
if we are constantly engaged in something that that could be a, a form of avoidance yeah. you know, maybe maybe emotional avoidance or uh, avoiding having to think about maybe problems that we need to solve over the common weeks or things that we need to do so um but possibly the emotional avoidance would be a big one you know if we're just constantly plugged in and we constantly need to be listening to something why is that um and actually i i think when you are plugged in a lot i, I realize probably some of this is to do with kind of dopamine and constantly learning and all this but when you plug out there can be an initial sense of discomfort that that's yeah. not pleasant you know and you have to just wonder then like am i actually addicted to all this tech like genuinely addicted um because if i stop as soon as i stop if i don't feel good then what's going on there yeah so yeah there's a lot a lot wrapped up in it i would say Oh, I think it's definitely like a form of addiction. I feel it in myself, like yeah. the, the, just how strong the urge is to to check social media or just to check my phone. Like, especially on days yeah. where I'm not working, it's just constant. And so, I think that's when you just you have to be so disciplined, don't you? It's yeah. such a shame that we live in 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 the world that we do that we have to kind of like set these boundaries and I have to write it down and I have to put it in a reminder in my phone all that stuff or I have to like turn my phone off and leave it in my other room just because I'm I'm that weak so I just can't like if it's next to me I will check it so you, you yeah. have to do these things don't you if you want to yeah. look after yourself and it, it can be simple things can't it turn it off leave it in another room give yourself like an hour or, or give yourself longer like when I've yeah. when I've taken a social media break for a week it's been it's it's all always like useful and it always leaves me feeling great if i go for a walk for two or three hours without my phone i always feel really good after it yeah that's it that's it that initial discomfort passes and, and then you feel yeah. really at ease you feel good um and just what, what you're on about there about putting the phone in, in a different room there was other research i found that showed that literally having your phone in the same room as you even if it's not at arm's reach um can reduce your cognitive capacity because yeah. some part of your brain is constantly aware that your phone's there and it's maybe directing some resources towards thinking about it being there and what it could do with it and whatnot but um so yeah literally putting it away i i actually feel lucky in my job because we do maybe 50 minute sessions with 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 people you know therapy sessions and sometimes they're a bit longer depending on what you're working on but obviously you would never dream of checking your phone during that so you know <laughs> at least three times a day but some some days it's six times a day i'll have a 50 minute block where the phone doesn't even enter your mind you know so i feel lucky and i think in the mornings is is the main time to really be yeah. disciplined um because if you start i know for a fact if i if i was to scroll in the morning then my long form concentration ability is just wiped out yeah. um whereas if i wake up and don't go near my phone and just get me kind of um whatever drinks people like in the morning that but then get my phone put it in airplane mode and listen to an audiobook but you're listening to that for about maybe 50 minutes or an hour so it's long form you know you're not scrolling and that's absolutely fine but if i was to scroll before listening to the audiobook every five minutes i would want to pick up the phone then so it's like a restless it's compulsive nearly you know yeah exactly that exactly that and i think if anyone's like you know, they've got a, a task to do, some admin, some life admin, or like something to do with work, and you just need that like hour. I, I find that if I've got something like that, if I 
don't check my phone in the morning and I get on it like within kind of half an hour or something, but I haven't checked my phone. I just get on that task. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what it feels like to be able to focus and not yeah. be distracted and look, like, look how much I can do in 60 yeah. minutes just yeah. because I haven't like distracted myself. It's, yeah. it's and it feels good. It feels like oh, qualitatively yeah. better, more enjoyable. You feel sure. like you've actually done something and engaged with something properly. Like you've kind of got, what is it, flow state they, they talk yeah. about. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, 100%, 100%. Right. I like that one. Right. Two checked off. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is one that hit home for me when I when I saw it pop up on your social media. It was around, yeah. and I, I always say this word wrong. It's a mouthful, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Catastrophizing. Perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> so... It's something that I think kind of late teens, 20s, I can definitely relate to that feeling of going over thoughts in my head and expecting the worst. Like if it's going out to like a social situation or maybe going on holiday, something like that, just just thinking of all the things that could go wrong instead of how amazing it could be and how great it could be. Like, it's just, yeah. it's mad, isn't it? That our brains just go to that, just go to the negative. But mm-hmm. you, um, you share your five steps to kind of overcoming this. So I, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love for you to share those five steps. Yeah. Well, I suppose, I suppose the first thing to say really is that catastrophizing it's one of the most common thinking styles right. that we engage in when we're anxious, you know, um, in the clinical work we do, there's about 10 common ones. We, we, frequently tell people about and almost all the time people will go yeah that their one that catastrophizing one that's me to a t you know so so it's it's really frequent that it happens but um there are there are ways you can really effectively deal with it so one would be to try to become more aware of the patterns so uh, recognize when you're catastrophizing and you can build this awareness by writing down your thoughts and emotions when it's occurring um, and also maybe write down the situations that are most frequently maybe causing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you'll maybe find is that um, there's certain triggers for it. Um, as you say, for yourself, it was maybe more social and whatnot. But even just that awareness can be helpful. Um, I think no change can really start uh, without awareness, you know. Um, and then once you are aware of the thoughts, you can begin to challenge them. So asking yourself questions like what's the likelihood of this occurring um if it actually does occur what could i do to cope with it um what similar things have i been through before uh what friends could i call on for a bit of support what family members etc and all of that can kind of stabilize your mind once it realizes you know this catastrophe won't end made like it won't be the the be all end all i will cope um that can be helpful Another one is it's similar, but it's kind of gaining perspective in a different way. So it would be asking yourself questions like, if this does occur, um, will I manage a month from now? Will I manage six months from now? What about a year from now? What about five years from now? And what you'll probably kind of have to admit is that at, at some point you will perceive that you'll be able to cope with that. Um, and even that alone can be helpful because even if it's a year away, at least your mind kind of knows well there will be an end to the difficulty it might suck for a while but i'll get through it you know so because i think the, the it's almost like our mind feels like you know everything's going to implode everything's coming to an end um but when you think it through to the to the think it through as much as you can in, in a timeline sense you realize oh wait actually 
there will probably be a point I'll be okay with that. And, you know, might might not like it, but I'll be fine. Um, another one is, and it kind of applies to the two previous ones, but it's it's relying on facts. You know, only facts like hard evidence, uh, and not how you're feeling about the situation. So, any answer you give to them previous questions, you you should try and use objective information only, because um, there's a tendency for us to engage in in what's kind of known as emotional reasoning. Mm. And emotional reasoning is, you know, because I feel a certain way, you know, that outcome feels like it's more likely to happen. But we know that that feeling really probably has nothing to do with the kind of statistical likelihood of that event happening. It just feels more real because you're maybe really anxious or afraid or, or um, feeling quite down about something. Um, mm. so, so just asking yourself that as, as well can be helpful. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the fifth wee tip would be just to try and be mindful. So just try to stay fully present in the moment and notice what you're feeling and experiencing kind of in the here and now. Um, and if you get in touch with that, um, it's hard for the mind to be kind of or catastrophizing about future events, but also staying fully present in the moment, you know, or, or ruminating about past events. Um, so if you're fully present, maybe, maybe you listen to a bit of music and really, really listen to it. Um, or maybe you have a bit of food and really focus on, on what you're eating and the different flavors and textures. Um, you can also do just some maybe grounding techniques like breathing um, or noticing what you can see in the room around you, like choosing five different colors, all those kinds of things can really ground you in the present moment. Um, and so if you do that, you know, the mind will probably, um, yeah, it won't be able to be catastrophizing at the same time, hopefully not as much at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of quiet the mind a little yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think those are just so impactful. And the third one that you mentioned about kind of zooming out, you know, a, a yeah. week, a month, six months, I think there's so many other different situations where that can apply, can't it? And, you yeah. know, whether you've made a mistake or whether you've got coming something coming up and if you just kind of take mm -hmm. a look at the bigger picture and think, well, what are my, what are my values? What are my goals? Like, what am I all about? Who, who am I? And like, take that bigger, what's it called, like bird's eye view or 3,000 foot view, like looking down and think, right, like let's get this all in perspective. And yeah. it also reminds me of something that um, Arthur Brooks, Arthur C. Brooks mentioned on a couple of the podcasts he's been on. Do, do you know Arthur Brooks? I don't think so, but he's like, he, he's just written a book with Oprah Winfrey and it's okay. all about, it's, it's, um, I can't remember the title now. I can't remember the title. <laughs> it all comes to me. It all comes to me. But he talked about, um, Every time you make a mistake, write it down. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was kind of a week from, from it, look back on it and see whether, you know, how much of an impact that mistake had. And then mm -hmm. look again in a month and, and do the same thing. And then I think he says something like in six months time, look back at your kind of mistake diary mm -hmm. and look like, did, did you learn something from it and did something positive actually come from it? Because so often, We'll make a mistake oh, yeah. or we'll slip yeah. up or, or we think we've kind of missed an opportunity. You know, you, mm. you don't get that one job, but it actually then a, a better job comes along or you don't get with that um, girl that you really fancied, but then <laughs> a month later you meet the girl of your dreams kind of thing. Yeah, like, these yeah. things happen, don't they? And so I think the, the zooming out can, can be something that's so powerful for people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 
it's it's a slightly different technique, but uh, so I'll not go into it. But just what you're saying there about what Arthur Brooks is saying is remind me of another technique we use uh, clinically for people who worry a lot. But um, what that that technique that you're describing that Arthur Brooks has has mentioned. I think another benefit of that would be that if you write down all the worries you have and then you revisit them in a week, in a month, in six months, etc., and you actually see how much that, you know, they weren't real, they didn't have an impact, maybe they actually had good outcomes. But what that'll do is change the nature of your relationship with your thoughts. And as you become more aware of how untrue uh, those thoughts were, how unnecessarily catastrophic they were, then when they pop up in the present moment, you'll be much better equipped to go, hold on a second, like these were the thoughts that were causing me so much stress last time. I've got a good you know, track record of them not actually coming true. So maybe now in the present moment, I can just let that go a bit easier or I can challenge it a bit more and move on with my day. Yeah, that's it. You know? That is it. Because we just... We just we're, we're horrible to ourselves, aren't we? We just beat <laughs> yeah, ourselves up yeah. and we say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then it's only once you look and and realize that what what is it like you know 95 percent of the things that you were worrying about would happen just didn't happen not even oh, close yeah. not, not even, even close, close. Yeah. yeah yeah another another thing that is you know s- slightly different to the catastrophizing thing but sometimes catastrophizing can take the form of oh my god i can't believe i said that like and you know they're going to be thinking that i was silly or or i look stupid and you could ask yourself something like you know what would a friend tell me about this situation and and what would i tell a friend if they had just done that and that's that's probably more more helpful even because you'll you'll find that you're probably naturally inclined to be much more kind to others or your friends than you are to yourself about those moments um another thing would be you might think well you know have other people said silly or you know maybe out of place things when i was there and you know they probably have over the past few years, but can you actually remember any in particular? And you probably can't, you know. So we totally overestimate how much people remember the things that we maybe slept up on, yeah. um, and, and we just totally forget how much you know they, they we don't care about their slip ups, so they probably don't care about ours either. Um, so yeah, I think just all them wee questions can help. I think another another tip I would have I would have. But it's just a more, much more general one, and it's probably a really, really obvious one. And, and you've mentioned it already. But is um, adding in a five to ten minute mindfulness meditation every day, because right. you know it, it's not a quick fix to to in the moment catastrophizing, but you'll just get a better understanding of of the nature of thoughts and how fleeting and random they are, and how much you didn't really choose to have the thought, and they just lose a lot of power over you. I really think it's one of the best things everybody could do to to improve their ability to deal with these kinds of difficulties. Yeah, that's great. That is great. Okay, and a big one to finish, Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, happiness. All right, let's talk about happiness. You you have these five. Um, you have a post about five important yeah. facts about happiness. Yeah, yeah. So I have the post. I can't I can't take any credit for coming up with any of them, <laughs> but um, I think I was listening to. It was either on on the Modern Wisdom podcast or the Diary of a CEO, one of them too. But they had Doctor Robert Waldinger on, and he's a a clinical professor of psychiatry at, at Harvard Medical School. And I think they've been running the longest, um, or the biggest longitudinal study on happiness that was ever carried out. Um, I don't know, I can't remember how many participants, but I think it's like over seventy or eighty years or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the most interesting 
things that I learned from from reading up on that was that um, the two most important determinants of our happiness are the quality of our health and the quality of our relationships. And the biggest misconception about happiness was people thinking that they should be happy all the time because um, you know no matter how much we prioritize um, our health or our relationships or, or whatever it is that that does bring us joy happiness isn't going to be a constant and it's important for people to know that um, so that when it does inevitably inevitably dip that they're okay with that and, and they can be with that and um, I think you know when you think about it you know there's no up without down or, or, or left without right or so there's no we wouldn't really even know what happiness is if there wasn't something to contrast it with so you kind of need them moments in life not not that you want more of them than is, than is necessary you know but if you didn't have any of them you wouldn't really know what happiness is it would be your kind of base level um another one was uh, another interesting one was that self-centeredness was quite clearly associated with lower happiness overall um and doing good and helpful things for other people was associated with increased happiness um and, and I thought when I was thinking about this answer, I thought an important wee nuance to, to mention would be that, you know, some people might actually overdo for other people and, and that could actually make them unhappy. You know, some people have that maybe fear of, of rejection or abandonment or um, not being liked, etc. And that can spur people to, to be like, fall into the kind of self-sacrificing trap. So you don't want to do too much for other people. Maybe it's about understanding your motive for for doing things for other people, really. And if it's just for the goodness of the act itself, that's probably going to bring you a lot of happiness. You know, if it's not based in actually a fear-driven motive, um, fear of you know loss or rejection or all those kinds of things. But but yeah, so self-centeredness associated with lower happiness and doing good or helpful things for other people, increased happiness. Um, and then. Another one was in, in the context of long-term relationships, happiness was uh, improved by maintaining curiosity about your partner and uh, being willing to adapt and change along with them as time goes on. Um, and then another cool finding was that there was no optimal number of friends to find happiness or to maximize happiness, sorry. It just all depends on our individual needs. And I'm guessing, I don't think it said this, but I'm guessing that would also um, be the case with the amount of time people need to spend with each other and yeah, yeah. um, you know some people might want i know i had a friend in undergrad um so she might actually listen to this so she'll get a good laugh out of this but i, I came back to, to uni after christmas and she was absolutely delighted to see me and all um i said what what was your last few days like because she got back to glasgow a few days before me and the other housemates she was saying that oh, was awful. Now, this was a Friday, I think. So she was saying it was awful. On Wednesday night, I went to a house party um, and there was so much drama and fight and it was just terrible. So I says, all right, what did you do on Thursday night? And she was like, well, I actually went back to the same house party. I was like, you know, the same house at a house party. I was like, why? Like, and she, so her, her reasoning was she would, she's happier even uh, in the midst of all that as long as she's actually interacting with other people, even though it's maybe a bit chaotic and Whereas I would be so much happier chilling out by myself, you know, compared to that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. so it, it really is individual in that sense as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I don't know if, if the you know social battery is an actual term, but I definitely my mine seems to run out quicker than other people's. And I don't know if that's kind of like a you know I I live alone and 
mm. kind of been single for a while now. And I don't know if kind of like the more you're used to spending time on your own and with your own thoughts that you just get more used to it. And so then when you're kind of in a big group, you find it more draining. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, kind of within a few hours, I'm kind of like, right, that's, that's enough for me. <laughs> I want to go home now. And if yeah. I've spent like the day with people, say on a Saturday, then like, I'm pretty sure that on a Sunday, I'll try and just be like spending it completely on my own, ready, ready to go back to school on a Monday. Um, yeah. But I completely get, you know, there's, there are people that thrive off it, don't they? They, they want yeah. to be around people all the time and be talking. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think was talking about it in his, in his documentary and on the podcast, because he's just released a book and he was like, he just has to be around people. He, if he goes out yeah. to eat, he has to be around people. He wants to train with other people. Whereas I, I'm not comparing myself to Arnie here, by the way, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love training on my own and I think that's Same. because yeah really I yeah. just don't want to be no. kind of distracted and I don't you know, no. I see other guys in the gym chatting and they're just talking about stuff that isn't related I just want to get in do my workout in an hour yeah. and, and get out yeah. and that might make me a bit of a, a grumpy old man but I'm fine no, with it. No, I think I think you're you're absolutely right to just do what feels right there you know I think right. we do we do all of our own I think it's probably built into us you know at a kind of a a biological level how much of that we need but i would but i would imagine that there is also like the more you're uh as you say kind of used to your own company living by yourself and that after a while then it could be more difficult interacting more frequently again so yeah. it's probably both like i think some of it's probably innate and some of it's probably because of our lifestyle over over a while um yeah. again no basis to say that that's true but <laughs> i just suspect it is because over the last couple of years, I've been kind of, as I said but previously when we were chatting, I'm living kind of far away from my friends now, maybe an hour, 10 minutes drive. Um, and I, I do think that over the last couple of years, my lifestyle has made my social battery a wee bit different. And just like you're saying, because um, I think previously it would have taken much more social interaction to, to make me feel a bit drained, whereas now that limit has come down a wee bit, I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But I suspect it would probably change if, if I was in, you know, closer to all my friends and around them again much more. Um, I think we're a bit malleable as well. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah, when yeah. I think back to kind of, you know, the weekends that we used to spend in my early 20s with friends, we'd be out on a Friday night, spend all night together. We'd get up, play FIFA, watch football all day, spend the day all together, and then we'd go out again. And like, no, yeah. I just could not do not that. Not a so. chance. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that sounds exactly like uh, very similar to my weekends as well back in the day, and maybe sometimes leached into Mondays, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I couldn't do it now. Like, not a chance. No, no, no. Uh, but maybe the gym, one off. the gym alone for me, it absolutely has to be. It's it's pure peace, and yeah. uh, I just actually that's something that probably quietens my mind quite a lot when I'm just mm -hmm. in for an hour and fifteen minutes doing weights or something like that. And yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, it's necessary for me, at yeah. least. Yeah. Necessary, a nice little escape. And yeah, you, it's, I guess it's kind of, it is quite mindful, isn't it? You you are there. You, you're just, you've got the pain of how much you're lifting and how yeah. sore your muscles are and you're just completely there. Um, yeah. What you mentioned about self-centeredness, like, um, I found interesting because mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot around self-care, isn't there? And I kind of think like, has the pendulum... Mm -hmm swung too far and that we're so kind of 
if we're not feeling great and things aren't going right, it's like, right, well, what have I got to do to look after myself? I've got to have a hot bath and I've got to have a drink and I've got to treat myself and, and all these things. But mm. do, do we kind of run the risk of getting getting self-centered or just completely like focusing inwards instead of thinking like, I don't know, from my experience and from what I hear more and more, that if you are going through a tough time and, you know, whatever spectrum that is, whether it's just kind of a brief thing or if it's kind of more serious, that the people that look outwards and think, well, how can I help other people and who who can I check in on and who, um, how can I maybe use what's happened to me, what I've gone through to then teach other people or help other people that those people then kind of can get some, I don't know, some comfort, some, some relief and get some growth mm-hmm. through rather than going inwards, but going outwards. Is, is there any basis to that? I, I don't, I can't give a firm answer, mm-hmm. but so what I would say is that some of the self-care stuff is probably really valid at times. Like if you're very distressed and you do something that's quite soothing, um, I'm probably thinking, you know, clinically, like maybe in the context of trauma or something where, mm-hmm. where people need to do some soothing activities that, that will, um, kind of reduce that constant state of fight or flight and stuff like that. But I think day to day, some of that is probably healthy. Um, but but on the flip side, what you're saying is also really valid because I think the more our attention is focused inward, um, I think that is associated with higher levels of anxiety overall. <laughs> As a reminder going off, um, Whereas when we're actually doing things with or for other people, it takes our focus of attention off ourselves, um, and that can actually break patterns of yeah. ruminative thought. Um, and it just feels good to do things for and with other people. Um, and something I was talking about with a colleague recently, which is kind of interesting, is I think we work so hard these days that then we think, you know, you know, I need to just kind of totally relax or do the self care stuff, but. What what can be just as or or maybe more helpful is doing something that's actually fun, like choosing something fun to do and, and with other people. Um. So yeah, and it's possible that some of the self care stuff there's a good um market behind it in the big industry as well. So there's probably some other reasons it's it's pushed very hard online. You know, it's not not from the goodness of of people's hearts. Yeah. Sometimes there's probably a profit incentive behind a lot of that them messages. <laughs> Know, buying buying all these whatever it is like yeah. bath stuff or um other products like that you know yeah yeah and and some Channels people do get a lot and, out of that yeah. but i would say yeah i think you're right there, there's probably possibly maybe a bit uh, the pendulum has swung quite far that way maybe uh, that's personal opinion other people could listen to that and go no you're, you're daft that it's the best like it's so good i love it but um I, I I don't tend to to engage in much of it. Maybe it's my my own bias, but yeah, I think there's validity to what you're saying. Yeah, makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. And I'm just thinking back to a, a little sentence you you just said, which I think is so like quotable. And you said it feels good to do things for people and with people. And like yeah. that that just sums it up, doesn't it? Like, yeah, that yeah. sums up so much yeah. of. And there's there's loads of um, research papers showing that um, you know the benefits of volunteering are really uh, really good for people's well being and and you know satisfaction f- sense of meaning all that kind of stuff happiness so um, there'd be some kind of uh, 
there's a bit of proof in that, I guess, to what we're talking about, you know. I, I do a wee bit of volunteering myself outside of my clinical work and, and I noticeably come away from it happier when I do it. Yeah. You know, it's once 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 every three weeks on a Saturday for about four hours, but I feel it's great, it's really enjoyable. You go away feeling good. Maybe that's selfish though, maybe <laughs> maybe you could you could argue that. But but no, I think it's yeah, doing things with and for others is is key. Yeah. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Right, Carl, it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so much for your time this evening. No worries at all. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've loved it. I've absolutely loved like hearing about these, these four different aspects and chatting to you. It's been great. Um, yeah. I've got three questions before you go. Yeah. Um, they're kind of more quick fire questions so you can kind of yeah. keep them as, as short as you like. Yeah. No um, worries. I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is what's a, a lesson that you wish you'd have been taught when you were a child? So I had to think about this, um, and my answer is that I think we could benefit so much from getting some basic psychoeducation as children, you know, maybe in school, but just knowing things like our thoughts affect our feelings and our feelings then affect our behavior and that affects the outcomes we get. Um, and then also knowing things like that, that critical inner voice, it's not really you, it's just your mind. So in the same way your heart beats blood, your mind thinks thoughts, so it's just what it does and it doesn't mean that those thoughts define you that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um i think if i knew this in my teen years i'd have been lost a lot less self-critical you know because it was fairly hard on myself and it would have been um it often took like a voice of reason like like my mother or somebody to step in and break those chains of thoughts you know but um i think so if we're taught basic stuff like that that would be that would be a great lesson to be taught as as a child and i think it's possible that all children should be taught these things because they can be if, if it's um, put across in the right way you know keeping it nice and simple and that mm. so that, that's my answer to that one um and what's one habit that you've perhaps introduced into your life that's made a difference to you so i'm going to go with one that's been talked about a lot online recently so i might be actually stating the obvious for for someone who's listening but i'd, I'd get into the habit of well which is really a kind of a, a set of small habits but just prioritizing good sleep um and there's so many people posting about this, but I think the most important steps I'd recommend would be get more and sunlight and delay your first caffeinated drink for 90 minutes after waking up. Avoid caffeine eight to 10 hours before bedtime. Um, avoid nicotine or alcohol three to four hours before bedtime. Avoid doing any intensive thinking or studying or learning at least two hours before bed. Um, and a final wee tip, which has been really helpful for me, is eat two kiwis an hour before bedtime. Um, there's actually there's actually research showing that it's effective, so I tried it out, uh, and it really is for me. Like I noticed, really, yeah, yeah. And if you get them golden kiwis in Tesco's, they'll they'll really knock you out. <laughs> They're great. Um, but yeah, I think you know if if you have good sleep if you do prioritize it your whole day feels uh, not even easier but just more enjoyable like you feel vital um and then if you get the morning sunlight and delay your caffeine by 90 minutes the main benefit of that is not having a big daytime crash mm. um so i i literally don't have them daytime crashes anymore than i used to and the day at work is so much more enjoyable without that 30 minute slump you know yeah. so prioritize good sleep um and just just learn a wee bit about sleep hygiene and implement what works for you really yeah yeah great great and i'm definitely trying the two kiwis thing yeah let's <laughs> go now 
they're brilliant. Oh, also pistachio nuts. I think they're they're really high in melatonin. So if yeah, like, I've heard yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, chance that as well. <laughs> and the last question: If you could give everyone in the world just one book, which book would you give them? I, I didn't even really have to think about this. It was just one came to mind, and it was the the Four Agreements. Yeah, um, you know it then. Yeah, yeah I, I thought I you would. Yeah, yeah. So. I guess just to, to, if anyone's listening, it's a book by a guy called Don Miguel Ruiz. He's a, a Mexican author and spiritual teacher, but the book is a, a kind of a code of conduct that, conduct that leads to personal freedom and fulfillment. So the four agreements are be impeccable with your word, you know, speak with integrity uh, and use your words to create truth and love and avoid gossip, lies and self-judgment. And the second one is don't take anything personally. Recognize that what others say and do is a reflection of their own reality and not a judgment of you. Um, and don't let the opinions of others dictate your self-worth. Um, third one is don't make assumptions. Avoid making assumptions about situations, people or events. And instead, seek clarity through open communication and asking questions. And the fourth is always do your best. So strive, and, strive for excellence in everything you do. And what I loved about the book was that that fourth one applies to all the the first three because we will inevitably fail to actually implement that consistently throughout life there will be moments you slip but you just remind yourself well you know from this moment onwards i can strive to do my best with the first three again so um i think the reason i would give that book choose that book as a book to give to everybody uh, in the world is because the way it's written it's just so accessible easy to understand perfect introduction to kind of a more spiritual outlook on life and uh if you like audiobooks it's like three hours long so a couple of coffees and a couple of walks you'll have it um listen to in a day and it could really change your life so um i think that's the one i choose yeah it's it's powerful it's simple and it's short so yeah it's very short isn't it it's only a small book i'm looking at it now it's just across uh, nice, nice. yeah yeah yeah. no it, it definitely a great recommendation for sure yeah, i got a lot out of it yeah. Right. Thank you again. People no that want to find these social media posts that I'm going on about, where where can they connect with you, Carl? So, so it's just on Instagram. It's Carl's Psychology. Uh, I'm not on any other platforms, but um, yeah, I'd be delighted to to if anybody has any questions about the posts, you know, feel free to send a message, um, and I'll get back to anybody. And I'm going to put up wee videos and stuff soon. That's something I've been putting off for ages. So, um. And I would say thanks for having me on because this is the first time I've done anything like this. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, You're a pro, man. Jesus, <laughs> thanks. I think I think it's a bit of a it's one of my own kind of fear barriers that that I've I've put off putting up videos for a while. Um, I can't exactly articulate why, but I think it was my own kind of avoidance. So this is a nice introduction to doing something like that, and I, and I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. No problem at all. And if you want any help with kind of get, getting started, like I'm no expert at all, but I'm more than happy because I think you've got you've got so much value to offer. The the posts uh, that you share, if if like you you then just simply presented them as a video, they would be great. And I'm sure lots of people would would um would yeah get a lot for, from them. So uh, cool. Uh, we'll put our heads together and make it happen, mate. Ah, uh, nice one, Sam. I appreciate the 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 vote of confidence there as well. I'm going to get stuck in this weekend. I think maybe next weekend, but no no later than that. I'll hold you to that. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> Cheers, Super. man. All right. Cheers.
So thank you for tuning in. I really hope you found my conversation with Carl insightful. As Carl mentioned, if you've got any questions, comments about the episode, around the episode, just let us both know. We'd we'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it helpful and interesting. And you can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode very soon.